the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back as we head into our 260-2508-0960. There's a lot going on today, uh, a lot. Uh, Joe Biden is putting a lot on the table, a speech, uh, a speech he gave on crime. Uh, we talked a little bit about it in the first hour, uh, a speech he's planning to give on Thursday where he's either going to try and be a soother in chief or he is going to continue to pour gasoline on his uh, rhetorical fires about the Republican Party. We can get into it more. We'll have Steve Hayward coming up later in this uh, hour, and Brandon Weikert uh, will be with us uh, in the next hour. We usually have him on Mondays. He couldn't do it uh, yesterday. We'll have him uh, in our third hour today. Um, I, am, I am fascinated, and I guess I always have been, with uh, not just political rhetoric, but extreme political rhetoric and the connection between it and violence. I have been fascinated about this in my study of the First Amendment since probably I was honestly since probably I was in high school. I've been fascinated by ideology, uh, ideologies of and philosophies of communism, of Nazism, of fascism. And, of course, democracy. One of the great books, if you want to study this, because the discussion of fascism is much in the air again. Thank you, Joe Biden. Think about that, actually, for a moment. Pause on that for a moment. Why is the word fascism so much in the air? If you were to do some kind of Internet search on the use of that word over the last uh, five years um, compared to the last 20 years, uh, I am betting dollars to donuts. You will find more of it in the last five years than in the last 20 years combined. Thank you, Joe Biden and the Democrats, for bringing that word and implanting it into American rhetoric. I say that sarcastically, weaponizing it to use against your political opponents. One of I guess I was going to reference a book for you if you wanted to study it. Uh, perhaps the best book on this is a book by a philosophy uh, professor at the University of Michigan named Carl Cohen. Uh, Carl with a C, Cohen, C-O-H-E-N, called Communism, Fascism, and Democracy. <laughs> I like a book that tells you what it's about, right? I, uh, I sometimes make, uh, make fun of some of these stores that are, are storefronts that are a little too specific about what they are, but there's no guesswork. You know what the book is about. Communism, Fascism, and Democracy by Carl Cohen. Uh, there are others you can you can get to, but I think that's that's really the the building block. That's really the baseline or the uh, the um, uh, definitive uh, work on it. it. Still holds up. Um, thank you, Joe Biden, for bringing that back. Now, one of the differences between its use previously in America, you know, perhaps those previous fifteen or twenty years, or take it back fifty years, the use of it in American rhetoric, fifty years. Um, it was almost always, almost always used by Democrats against Republicans. Almost every American reference 
to Nazism and fascism. We used by Democrats against Republicans, but not Republicans writ large, not the whole party, not the American people, not half the population or something like a third to a half of the population that affiliates with or votes for or supports the Republican Party. It was almost always and exclusively used when it was used against a political leader, a Barry Goldwater, let us say, uh, a Ronald Reagan, George W. Bush, Donald Trump. The first time this started to change noticeably was with a Democrat named Hillary Clinton, uh, where she started blaming the American people. Now, it's not a very good rule in politics to blame the American people for anything, for anything. Uh, Joe Biden is now using it to a fairly well with indiscriminate regularity. The chairman of the Democratic National Committee, Jamie Harrison, has now used it three times this year. The last was yesterday when he was asked whether he agrees with Joe Biden's characterization of Republicans as fascists. And he said, of course, Joe Biden is speaking the truth. Today, Joe Biden gives a speech on the Republican Party being the party of political violence. Um, None of this matches up. None of this matches up. You can find Democrat after Democrat, and I played the audio. I won't do it again right now. I played the audio of uh, just about mm, one minute of a tape I have of 10 minutes of prominent Democrats everyone knows the names of. Prominent Democrats, including Joe Biden, several times invoking violence and invoking the use of violence against Donald Trump. I can't find video and I challenge people to find video or audio of any Republican more than two people have heard of that is encouraging violence against Democrats. And I defy people to find Republicans that anyone can recognize any more than two people can recognize, who have slandered the entire membership of the Democratic Party or supporters of Joe Biden or Hillary Clinton with epithets equivalent to fascism or fascist and Nazi. It's a really unique turn. One of the interesting things about the word fascism, however, is that it's a very hard thing to define. It's a very hard thing to define, and I would love it. I mean, really, truly love it if a reporter would ask Joe Biden what fascism is and what fascism means. I would love it. You will get either a word salad or a smile and a wink, which is what he gave one reporter who dared touch close to that question yesterday. It's a very hard thing to define. It's one of these things that one associates with Nazism. Steve Hayward's an expert at documenting this. As I say, we'll talk about it with him a little bit later in the hour. But when we're talking about the divisions in this country and the divisiveness that we now face in this country, who's causing it? Who's creating it? Who is comparing parents who care about nothing more than that their children go to a public school where they're not drenched in talk of racialization or sexualization 
as being compared to domestic terrorists. Who's creating the division when an FBI is weaponized to work with local law enforcement to shut those parents down and to cow them into silence? Or when you're comparing your opposition to the worst bigots in American history, never mind fascists from Italy or Germany, but as Joe Biden did earlier this year, saying that we are the party, we Republicans are the party of Jefferson Davis, George Wallace, and Bull Connor. You almost wonder if Joe Biden even knows what party he's a member of or what party they were a member of. I'll give you the easy answer. Biden is a member of their party. They were all Democrats. Um, So the question is going to be answered certainly Thursday night to see which direction Joe Biden goes. Is he going to live up to all the things he said during the 2019-2020 campaign about being a uniter and a healer, things he said during his inauguration speech? Or is he going to continue to be the rhetorical pyromaniac he has found the most comfort in being? And I ask you this. I ask you this, if I can invoke a moral sense here for a moment, something Dennis Prager does quite well, quite often. Let me invoke a moral sense. If violence and political violence is your concern, do you call your political opponents something that would morally obligate you to commit violence against them? What is the morally right thing to do with a Nazi or a fascist? Yeah. You're picking up my meaning, I think, I hope. Uh, Mike, don't go away. Others on hold. I'll come right to you on the other side of this break. I um, I, I want to give you full full uh, full time, and, and I don't want you to be cut off. So as I go to break, let me put in a quick word for our friends at Y Refi. If you're looking for a great investment opportunity, I want you to check them out at investyrefi.com. They're Offering a fixed, no load interest rate, up to ten and a quarter percent return for investors, all in a secure and collateralized portfolio. These are investors who do well by doing good for others, and you can be a part of that as well. Investyrefi.com, or you can give them a call. They're here local, and you can visit them. But call them at eight five five three one six three zero eight seven eight five five three one six three zero eight seven. If you visit them, you're not going to get a sales pitch. You're just going to hear about what they do. And let it speak for itself. Don't go away. We'll be right back with your calls and more. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Gorbachev's passing. Remember, remind you of some of that great '80s music, right? Doesn't it? Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Mike is in Carefree. Hi, Mike. Hi, hi, Seth. How are you? I'm well. How are you? Doing fine, thank you. I I just uh, it it just annoys me to no end to, to hear the misuse of the word fascism. Okay. Uh, I mean, over fifty years ago, when I was in high school, you know, fascism was defined as the meld melding of industry and government, where the government takes over industry and becomes monolithic, and it it basically has little or nothing to do with 
the bad behaviors of Nazism and so forth, it's, it's, a, it's an ideology. Now, unfortunately, whenever that is conscripted, it becomes horrible. But if, if you take the definition of fascism, which is government taking over industry and becoming one, clearly the Democratic Party is the one that's guilty of fascism. I mean, you have the medical industrial complex, the educational industrial complex, the military industrial complex. Uh, the, the healthcare industrial complex. It, at every turn, they wish to conscript the the private industry and bring it under the thumb of the government, which leads to uh, an oligarchy. Can I include the media in this as well, please? We just heard yeah, Facebook absolutely. admit to uh, you know being cowed by the FBI to bury the Hunter Biden laptop story, right? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and, okay. I, and I think it's also good to always remember you know, Khrushchev and, and what he said about our country and how it will take over. Because, and remember who he was and the, the predecessor to Gorbachev at the same line. I mean, he was a Jew hater. He, he facilitated uh, a, a mild to moderate Holocaust in, in, in Ukraine. Oh, yes. And, and, and to say that these people are somewhat innocent is just beyond belief you know the the stalinist technique arguably killed more jews than hitler yes i i have i have long been bewildered by why the evil of nazism seems to trump the evil of communism because the scales i mean the direction and the hatred of nazism and the organization for the short period of time that it was in power was obviously unique and uniquely horrible but communism was much broader with a much greater death toll and uh, i have some theories on it but i agree with what you're saying mike uh, it's a disorientation to to pacify uh, or at least to uh, uh sanitize communism at the expense of nazism go ahead sir and, and you know with our current attorney general i mean he's reminds me of levante barria i mean uh it, it just, well, I'll find a crime. Bring me you the know, man, I'll, I'll show you the crime. Yeah, right. And so, I mean, they had their their little mini crystal lock and United the Long Knives, and, and we'll get rid of these people, and and, and, and everyone should be frightened. And, and I think it does have a chilling effect when uh, even under the, the greatest stretch of the imagination, that there was a need for the FBI to raid Mar-a-Lago. Right. Now, whether or not there's something you can charge him with, you know, it's inconsequential. Uh, but that ch sends a chill down everyone's back saying, gee, again, show me the man. And, and not everybody has... We are fascists. We, we, are fa we are a party of fascists or semi-fascists. It really doesn't matter what the predicate is, if there is one. But we are a party of semi-fascists um, or, or fascists, uh, or we are domestic terrorists if we show up at school board meetings, and we will send the FBI to raid your president's house. I mean, you're right, Mike, and that is how tyrannies totalitarians, let's call it for what it is, this is how totalitarians rule, the knock at midnight, you know, not the biblical knock at midnight, the knock at midnight that too many people for too many years were terrified of in our lifetimes, in our lifetimes, probably our lifetimes. I don't know how well, and, they may, and the media goes to great lengths to show a bit of terror in that uh, when 
people who have committed nonviolent crimes, procedural crimes, verbal crimes, if crimes at all, are, you know, dragged out in their underwear and strapped in irons and dragged off in the dark. Yeah, I don't remember any Clinton or Obama officials being treated the way Trump's officials were. I just don't. I can't think of them. I, I can't imagine Sandy Berger. No. Uh, it didn't commit more crimes than all of the all of the Trump people put together. I mean, it's almost a bad joke, the idea of someone putting papers that he knew were classified into his pants and into his socks. I mean, it's almost a cartoon version. It was so flagrant. You know, Mike, uh, one of the things that I think does explain why there is not more talk of communism as opposed to fascism or Nazism is, I believe, what Whitaker Chambers wrote in his book Witness, which is Democrats, and now I think we could also say media, social media, all the elite institutions you mentioned, it's uncomfortably close what communism stood for and what they are arguing for. I guess you could say the same about fascism as well, the way you're rendering it, which is accurate, which is the uh, the combining of, uh, of of private enterprise with the state's control of it. I mean, you think about it from free health care to minimum wage to government mandated unionization of major industries, guaranteed jobs, massive spending on public education, education, strict separation of church and state. Uh, you, you think about on and on and on it goes. It's awfully close who the real fascists are and who the real fascists are not. Right. I mean, I think that's that's why there's a distinction where um, where communism is so sanitized here. And I think it's also why I say there's projection from the Repub- from the Democratic Party and labeling us the fascists. They don't have the first clue as to what it means or they do and know that it's themselves. Yes, I think that that's it. Words mean what I want them to mean. No more and no less. Yeah, which is another element of, uh, really, another element of uh, Third Reich ideology. It's the triumph of the will. You're invoking uh, what Humpty Dumpty said in Through the Looking Glass, which is words mean what I want them to mean. Alice says to Humpty Dumpty, uh, that's not how words are defined. Uh, words have their own definition, and Humpty Dumpty says that's not the right position. The right position is who of us is the stronger. It's the triumph of the will. Who is the stronger? Might makes right. Here we kind of thought we were doing it differently. We thought right made might. Yeah. They thought might. They think might makes right. We think right makes might. Well, we have always believed that the process will come to a just end, and they believe that their opinion is the just end, so there's no, no reason to follow the process. It's a frightening time. It's a frightening time because what is needed right now more than anything is skid chains on the use of this language. And yet, as I said, Mike, I've never heard more use of this language than in the past five years, and quite frankly, the last two weeks. Thank you, Mike, very much. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. I am Seth. It is a delight to welcome back, my gosh, a long-time friend, Steve Hayward. Many of you know him from Powerline or from his pieces in the Wall Street Journal or really every major newspaper or any number of his books, his biographies of Ronald Reagan. 
His most recent one, do I have this right? Is it is is patriotism is not enough? Harry Jaffa, Walter Burns, and the arguments that redefined America. Well, my most recent book is, by the way, is a biography of M. Stanton Evans. Oh, of course, M. Stanton Evans. I'm sorry that what? Yes, M. Stanton Evans. You know, M. Stanton Evans. Let's say a word about your book on M. Stanton Evans, uh, if you don't mind, Steve. Tell the audience who M. Stanton Evans was. We all know who he is without knowing who he is. I think. Well, I think, uh, well, first of all, M. Stanton Evans was my first mentor out of college 40 years ago. But more important than that, he was a key figure in the modern conservative movement from the late 1950s up till his uh, semi-retirement in the 1990s. And he was in the middle of everything. Uh, I mean, it's not an exaggeration to say that without him, you might not have gotten Ronald Reagan as president. Uh, He was the person who wrote the document called the Sharon Statement, which was the founding charter of Young Americans for Freedom in 1961. Prominent journalist, a major thinker, defender of Joe McCarthy, it should be mentioned, against all odds and against the conventional wisdom. Um, Anyway, uh, you know, he died 70 years ago, and I thought that uh, he deserved a full-scale biography because he's already being forgotten, unfortunately. Yeah, one of the reasons I said he's someone we all know without knowing him is because you see the fruits everywhere. Uh, he has trained right. so many conservative journalists, including you. The name of the book, M. Stanton Evans, Conservative Wit, Apostle of Freedom. I, 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 I can't say enough about how good a job you did in describing him, Steve, and how important one, uh, how important one sees someone like this in the conservative movement, the modern conservative movement. Without him, yeah, that's right. Yeah, without. Him, no modern conservative movement, not as it is anyway. No, I think that's correct. I mean, you know, other people that he trained that I think are familiar to your listeners yep. include John Fund yep. um, and Coulter, yep. who was one of his interns. Yep. Uh, the list is very long. Oh, yeah, it's a long list. Uh, anyway, uh, kudos to you on it. Great book. M. Stanton Evans, M. Stanton Evans, conservative wit, apostle of Fred. Steve, I was thinking of you uh, today, this morning when I reached out. Because it seems like Joe Biden and the Democrats are gearing up again. That's that which you have been so good at documenting over the years, which is the libeling and slandering of the opposition party with every epithet in the book. Fascism, Nazi, racist, bigot. Uh, Joe Biden's most recent is calling uh, is calling Republicans uh, semi-fascists. This isn't new. But it is seemingly more common, and maybe with social media and cable TV, we're we're hearing more of it. But it's not new, right? They started this a long time ago, didn't they? Oh, it goes back at least to Franklin Roosevelt, who said, I think it was 1944, that, gosh, you know, he didn't put quite this directly. But the, the, the clear meaning was, in the State of the Union speech was, if Republicans get back into power, it would be as though we'd lost the battlefield, uh, lost the battle against the fascists over in Europe. I mean, he actually said it'd be the restoration of fascism. And you know, fast forward to 1948. Remember, the hapless Republican candidate in 1948 was Tom Dewey. Right. You know, a total milk toast. Well, here uh, I'll just give your listeners a headline. Here's New York Times, October 25, 1948. So a couple weeks before the election. Headline: President likens Dewey to Hitler as <laughs> fascist tool. Yeah. Uh, and, and the lead of the story, I'll just read the first sentence. A Republican victory on Election Day will bring a, bring a fascistic threat to American freedom that is even more dangerous than the perils from communism and the extreme right. President Truman asserted here tonight. And it goes on from there. You know, Barry Goldwater was Hitler. Uh, right. <laughs> I, I, I have, you know, I have file folders full of quotes. So let me give you one that's somewhat more recent. Then I'll give you the date. Uh, quote. 
we sometimes have the feeling that we are living in a time preceding the election of Adolf Hitler as Chancellor of Germany. Uh, that was said of Ronald Reagan in 1980. Right. Uh, and a whole list of people who said Reagan was Hitler and right. Uh, after the 1994 election, you know, that was the one that, you know, Newt Gingrich brought in the Republican House. Yes, sir. George Miller. Yeah. George Miller, prominent Democratic congressman. Head of the said, Education Committee. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. He said, it's a glorious day if you're a fascist. There you are. Um, there you are. You know, Charlie Rangel, uh, when, when Newt Gingrich proposed some budget cuts, Charlie Rangel said, Hitler wasn't even talking about doing these things. That's... Now, actually, I give him partial credit. It's true that Hitler never talked about cutting Medicare and Social Security. Let me hit a quick, let me hit a quick commercial break. This was a short know, segment. We have a longer one coming up. We'll delve into it a bit further on the other side of this break. We're talking to Steve Hayward, author of M. Stanton Evans, Conservative Wit, Apostle of Freedom, amongst many other books. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Stephen Hayward is our guest. You know him from Powerline. You may know him from any number of his books. His most recent, as I mentioned, M. Stanton Evans, Conservative Wit, Apostle of Freedom. We're talking about the epithets Democrats have used against Republicans. Steve was taking us through a tour in the previous segment going all the way back to Franklin Roosevelt and was catching us up to the quote-unquote Gingrich Revolution where uh, one prominent Democratic congressman, George Miller, said uh, fascism. Uh, fascism is what was elected in 1994. Steve, I sorry for the commercial interruption, but go right ahead with with what you were saying there, sir. Well, that's I mean the point. I mean I say I have a file folder full of these kind of quotes. I can go on forever. Um, I, I should mention maybe uh, you know they really ramped up with Goldwater in yep. 1964. Yep. In fact, Goldwater afterwards, you might remember he said the center's based there in Arizona. He said afterwards. Gosh, if I had to go on what I read just in the media, I'd have voted against the son of a bitch. Too. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> but, you know, Pat Brown, who was governor of California that Reagan beat two years later, he said after the convention, the Goldwater Convention, the convention had the stench of fascism. Yeah. All we needed to hear was Heil Hitler. Yeah. And like I say, I've got, I can go on for 15 minutes of quotes like this from the left. So... I have to say, I have been twitting liberals about this for a while now, uh, since Trump arrived. Now, I don't for a moment think Trump is any kind of fascist, but I do say, haven't you guys ever heard of the old moral fable of the, the kid who cried wolf? Yeah. Uh, and, you know, if you really do believe this about uh, Trump, maybe you shouldn't have been such bloody fools for the last 50 years. And That's it, right, because the moral is that there is ultimately a wolf, isn't there? That's right, yeah. yeah. Uh, although, you know, I think the next thing to be said about this is... Um, you know, I was never much for the psycho, uh, the psychological category of projection, right. which is, you know, where you project on the other person your own problem. Right. But increasingly, it seems to me, and there's, I think, empirical evidence for this, that the left is more guilty of racism and homophobia uh, and fascist tendencies. I mean, we, we could get into the serious theory of that in the administrative state. So I actually think that a lot of these uh, of these refrains of racism and fascism and homophobia are really traits that the left originated and you know they're the ones who practice it much more than conservatives do i agree with that but what they've done with our language and using this language because they're weakening vitiating the actual noxiousness of these things right we're supposed to be against bigotry racism fascism and yet when it really shows itself when it really rears its head perhaps a lewis farrakhan perhaps someone like that we kind of shrug our shoulders. How bad could Adolf Hitler be 
if he's just like Donald Trump. I'll tell you, six million <laughs> Jews would prefer Donald Trump any given day. They'd give their eye teeth oh, for Donald Trump. Right. And, and by the way, uh, let us remember where anti-Semitism today in America is coming from. It's coming from the left. Yeah. Uh, right. I mean, we know this very clearly. Uh, you know, there are two data points on my mind just this week. One is the left can't even really define fascism very well. And That's you right. saw this the other day when Peter Ducey of Fox News asked, um, what, Kareem Pierre Paul, whatever her name is, yeah. the White House spokesperson, Karen to Pierre, define I think. fascism. Yeah. And she couldn't do it. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, the prior point I made about you know, the evidence of racism on the left. Is the New York Times just revealed that their minority um, um, employees get forty percent lower personality evaluations than white employees? Now, I don't think the New York Times is racist. Right. I think there's all kinds of play there. But however, this is causing a crisis in the newsroom of the New York Times because they buy into the view, which I know you're familiar with, that any disparity of any kind between racial groups is proof of racism and oppression and so forth. So. I sit back and pop popcorn to watch them tie themselves in knots, except that they say it's our fault. You know, you and me and other conservatives when it's their fault. This is one of the most disturbing things, this issue of disparate impact, this notion that is actually credible, not only in the academy, but in the C-suites of corporations now brought to you by the likes of Ibram X. Kendi who say, literally say, that if you say colorblindness is your ethos, that is representative of racism, because the only solution to discrimination is discrimination, right? Discrimination, the only solution to discrimination in the past is discrimination in the present and discrimination in the future. Almost sounding like George Wallace. Yeah, by the way, what you just said, I think, is pretty close to a verbatim quote from Kendi. Yeah, Uh, it is. Yes, yes, yes. You know, for for people like Kendi, uh, the racist charge is what philosophers used to call a non-falsifiable hypothesis. Right. There's no argument and no evidence that you can marshal against it. That's right. Although I will say that uh, I noticed Kendi in the last couple days has started attacking John McWhorter on Twitter. Uh Uh-huh. And I think that I think that's a very good sign that there's a crisis growing and a backlash to wokery because McWhorter can run circles around Kendi, and everybody knows that. Uh, Kendi refuses to debate anyone, including McWhorter. So now that he's attacking him on Twitter, it's a sign to me that Kendi's worried, and that's a that makes that cheers me up a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I like the idea that he feels he he needs to go after McWhorter because that means that McWhorter's arguments are having some purchase. Is that the point? Yes. I, I think that's right. Yeah. I mean, McWhorter, he now writes a regular column in the New York Times. He's got a big following. Yep. And I think quietly a lot of people say, of course, Kendi's a nut. We just don't want to say so openly. And thank God for McWhorter. I think that's right, Steve. Um, Steve, you you know you know as much about the founding as, as anyone. And one of the things that I redound to an awful lot is Thomas Jefferson's first inaugural, where he talks about mm. every difference of opinion is not a difference of principle. He goes on to say something like, we are all federalists, we are all Republicans, the two parties at the time. And it seems to me the Democrats have abandoned that completely by this redounding to our opponents, our political opponents are our enemies. They are fascists. You don't become more of an enemy than a fascist. It seems they've abandoned every part of the founding ethos when they go this route. Yeah, I think that also can be traced back to Franklin Roosevelt, maybe earlier, but certainly Roosevelt, who said that Tories and Republicans, yeah. you know, were read out of the country at the founding, and I would have thought they'd all left the country. Fast forward to this week, and the governor of New York, Kathy Hochul, or however you say her name, yeah. said, oh, look, I think all Republicans ought to move out of New York. You're not New Yorkers. 
Right. What an astounding right. thing to say. Right. 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 You, you should leave my state. You know, go to Florida. Go to Texas. Go somewhere. Right. This is the road to civil war, which is something you know it's been talked a lot about these days and seems implausible. But increasingly, language like that uh, is pretty startling and suggests that in fact uh, the left does not believe we have anything. Our great teacher Harry Jaffa said. It's impossible for a country to survive, I'm paraphrasing here, uh, when people no longer look upon their fellow citizens as fellow citizens. That's right. That, that's right. Uh, and, and, and it is really coming very clearly from one direction. I don't know what the worst thing is Republicans of note, notable Republicans, recognizable Republicans have said of Democrats, but it's nothing like this, Steve. It's If you want to talk about u- uniting the country or dividing the country, it's pretty clear what Joe Biden and the Democrats' playbook is, and it's division, yeah. division, division. Correct. Well... You and I are uh, at least on the same page here, and it's always good to be on your side. Uh, Steve, you've been – last question for you. You, You've been on the college campuses um, for years. You've been a teacher. You are teaching at Berkeley right now. Are the students where Biden is, or are they not buying this stuff? Are they buying it or not buying it? You know, it's hard to tell, especially at a big place like Berkeley. But I can tell you that I've had a number of progressive students who take my classes say – I don't agree with you, but I'm tired of the conformism enforced by the campus left. So that gives me a little bit of hope. Good. Uh, that things are going to turn around. Good. Good. The herd of inde- independent minds <laughs> might be splitting right. up a little bit. <laughs> I love it. Well, I love you too, Steve Hayward. It's always good to catch up. Again, his most recent book, M. Stanton Evans, Conservative Wit, Apostle of Freedom. For those of you who uh, hear me often enough talk about my and Steve's teacher, Harry Jaffa, he also wrote a book about him, and it's a great one to understand what Dr. Jaffa taught this country. Many lessons we still need to learn. Steve Hayward, God bless you, buddies. Thank you, Seth. Talk to you soon. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Your dollar buys less today than it did a month ago. Paper money continues to be worth less and less. You know this. You know this every time you go to the grocery store, just as I do. The good news is gold and other precious metals traditionally hold their value when economies fail and fall like ours is now, which is why I own precious metals from the veteran-owned Midas Gold Group. I along with Seb Gorka, and thousands of you know the Midas Gold Group. More of you can. If you're interested in protecting your savings, your investments, your future, check out the Midas Gold Group at MidasGoldGroup.com. That's MidasGoldGroup.com. Or give them a call at 480-360-3000. That's 480-360-3000. You know, just thinking about my conversation with Steve, thinking about the monologue I uh, I uh, gave in the first hour and the divisions in this country, Joe Biden planning to try and give some kind of speech on Thursday where uh, theoretically he's going to speak on the soul of the nation and how to heal it. Um, you know, he didn't have a very good debut today. Today he gave a, uh, a talk on on crime. And he spoke of Republicans uh, advocating for violence against their political opponents. You know, Steve doesn't like projection, and I understand the reticence to talk about it. But one has to ask what current events, what history Joe Biden is looking at. 
What history is Joe Biden looking at, whether we're talking political assassination or whether we're talking the rhetoric of the last five or six years? It's almost uniformly rhetoric from the left and from Democrats who engage in homicidal ideation, not Republicans. In fact, here's a nice little here's a nice little thought experiment. Here's a nice little test. Someone please just ask the next person who parrots Joe Biden's line. Just ask them, can I have an example? Give me an an example, one example of a Republican more than two people have heard of who has called for violence against the Democrats. Give me one example. If you listen to the first hour, you heard about 20 from the Democrats doing it to Republicans. But this is what you get from the president of the United States these days who's going to Independence Hall on Thursday to give this speech. Today, he couldn't even distinguish between the Constitution and the Declaration. The man confuses a lot because he conflates a lot. I'm Seth Liebson. Brandon Weikert coming right up. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.